All right, welcome to The Aging Hipster. I am Bob Serrano. This week, we watched 1984's action blockbuster, The Terminator. In the 21st century, a weapon will be invented like no other. This weapon will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity. No remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose, to return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. What day is it? The date! 12th, May, Thursday. What year? I'm here to help you. I'm Reese, DN 38416, assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Why me? Why me? Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. Your future is in its hands. During this episode, we're asking Sarah Kana. I think that's probably it. Anyways, <laughs> joining me today from the future. First up is co-host Toby Crines. How are you doing, Toby? Beautiful, Bob. Thanks for having me. And from Tape Freaks and Tim Monsters, it's Tim Holly. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me again. And we have a new expert on today. From Love is Blind is physical trainer Andy Rickert. How are you doing? This is the weirdest podcast introduction ever. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> reality First star physical trainer <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm doing well thank you um i got a question andy so if What's you up? were in a post-apocalyptic um world under underground what is kind of the workout routine you would suggest for the human resistance oh i have a pair of resistance bands a bunch of stuff left i used to do a lot of powerlifting stuff and i have these heavy duty resistance bands i've gotten a lot of workout i'm not in a bunker right now but i haven't had a gym i think that would be the best or if you spend like three thousand dollars on weights and stuff that would be good too i don't know if they have any uh athletic stores in the future they did have a bunch of burned out tvs with fires in them yeah, you're gonna <laughs> it's have to yeah. The stuff is gonna be around, so I mean, it, it'll last for a long time. Yeah. So I guarantee you, there will be some burned out houses with kettlebells and weight sets and stuff like that. So <laughs> when you go out raiding, get your weights. Then that's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, guys, I'm really excited because there's one thing I realized while watching this is uh, is how much I love the Terminator, especially Terminator Two. I think Andy, you talked about watching Terminator 2 like 15 times and that's only a couple and I've it's kind of the same thing with me because right because when I when this came out I think we were all fairly young like five years old 
Tim probably saw it in the theater with his mom because his <laughs> mom loves the loves Arnold, you know. Uh, but I definitely remember Terminator too, like especially that. Remember that orange-haired kid with a sulat? It was at the. Was that yeah, was yeah, that, that from uh, Salute Your Shorts. Yeah, exactly. He, Wasn't he like the '90s punk kid? Like he he played that kid in every movie or every show yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. Kind of that same. He was in the. Kid. There's like a. Yeah, yeah. He played it in like there was some movie where it was like Boys Town, maybe. Um, yeah, he was the same kid. Yeah, oh, and I loved it because I was watching it. So I was just remembered Toby's family because he <laughs> had like five brothers and they all had that haircut. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I that kid to me reminds me of Alfred from the original uh, Guess Who board game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, those movies blew my mind as and i had a really fun time just re-watching this and i was kind of watching some um making of videos on youtube and did a bunch of research and uh i had a lot of fun this week and it really kind of made me want to watch terminator 2 really bad as well and just keep it going oh, yeah. all the way to uh dark fury or something whatever <laughs> came out two years ago i never dark, saw it uh, uh it was good it was dark good. fate I mean, dark fate yep yeah. i liked it In 1984, a soldier is tasked to stop an indestructible cyborg killing machine, both sent from 2029, from executing a young woman whose unborn son is the key to humanity's future salvation. This was released on the 26th of October, 1984. It had five taglines I saw, so I'm going to read them to you guys, and you guys let me know what's your favorite. First one is from the Italian DVD. DVD. I don't know if anybody speaks Italian, but I'm going to try. La sua missione. E una sola, distruggere, uccidere, or something. His one and only mission, to destroy, to kill. Um, <laughs> another one is pretty simple. I'll be back. Uh, next one is kind of the long one. In the year of darkness, 2029, the rulers of this planet devise the ultimate plan. They would reshape the future by changing the past. The plan requires uh, something that felt no pity, no pain, no fear, some, something unstoppable. They created the Terminator. The thing that won't Aww. die in the nightmare that won't end. So, kind of sounds like what yeah. we're going through. Yeah. But yeah. Like, that was a long, um, long tagline. Yeah. The, and then your future is in its hands. All right. Okay, you guys. What do you think, Toby? Uh, I'm going with the, the thing that won't die in the nightmare that won't end. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, that's that's probably the best one. That that's that one is just a crazy long, but I think I think it was just used for the trailer. I don't know if it was ever printed or anything. I can't imagine it was. <laughs> well, I saw it on the IMDB page, like where it had like the the art or whatever, and it was like uh, part of like the poster. So it's like along with the poster, they put in like a paragraph, like, <laughs> like the entire like backstory. Oh, <laughs> uh, how about you, Andy? What what's your favorite? I, I think I like the I'll be back. It's speaking from a person now, the movie is clearly an Arnold movie. It is not a sci-fi movie. It's an Arnold vehicle. You know what I'm talking about? So, like, you just put that on there. Now, maybe back in 84, I wouldn't put that on there. I like the I'll be back. It's very short. Boom. But it, it, it makes you think that it's, like, immediately going to have a sequel. Yeah, and it, and it did. And it was on. No, it wasn't immediate. It was, like, seven years later. But it was the best sequel yeah. I ever made. I think it's the best sequel. Ever. Well, I mean, you've never seen Star Trek Two, then. 
yeah, I'm not yeah, thinking about there that. you go. Yeah. Or Major League Two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like Cameron's responsible for two of the better sequels because he did Aliens, which is yeah. another one that's like yeah highly regarded for, by a lot of people. I think he did Aliens right after this, right? He mm-hmm. he. I think we're going to talk about that in a little bit about James Cameron, who is in the midst of I don't know, just like an insane like. I don't yeah, even. Well, how do you describe it, Tim? Like, his run of movies. Yeah. I mean. It's, I don't know, he's definitely like an unstoppable force as far as like a creative director and then also just pushing the boundaries of like technology in films. Like, it's like, I feel like it's like him and Zemeckis were like a, two of the big ones at that time period that were like really pushing like what could be on screen and like what was possible and like hiring people that were crazy talented. And so he directed this is his, uh, uh, well, the second movie he directed, <laughs> yeah. he kind of directed Prana too, which I don't think went that well. Um, it was written mainly by James Cameron. Gail Ann Hurd is also credited, but I, I think she just gave him notes and was there as kind of just, you know, um, she was the producer as well. And eventually his wife and the next wife. And then he <laughs> and then Linda Hamilton's on this and became his wife and the next wife. So well, yeah, Linda Hamilton was was after, when, after um, yeah. Catherine Bigelow. Wasn't she in between there? Yes. It's like 86, 96 or something, 96 to 98 or something. I think Titanic days he ended up with her. Oh. Um, also, uh, William Wisher, who is a friend, contributed some dialogue. It stars, of course, the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger in his breakout role. Also, Michael Bean, Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. Paul Winfield as Lieutenant Ed, Ed Traxler. Lance Hendrickson as Detective Hal Vukovic. And Rick Rosovich makes a... Um, makes an appearance as Matt and who gets killed in the skivvies had a budget of $6.4 million. It opened at $4 million on the 28th of October, 1984. It grossed $38 million in the U S and $78 million worldwide. 1984 box office. It, the Terminator was ninth in worldwide gross. Number one was the temple of doom. Beverly Hills Cop was number two with $316 million, followed by Ghostbusters, Gremlins, The Karate Kid, Romancing the Stone, Police Academy, Footloose, The Terminator, and then Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock comes in 10th, Toby. Um, also in 1984. <laughs> <just> on it. <laughs> uh, Amadeus, The Natural. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. I love Amadeus, honestly. Yeah. Um, Re- Revenge of the Nerds, oh, Red man. Dawn, yeah. Starman, ah, Last Starfighter, uh, oh. yeah, Missing in Action, and Top Secret, a bunch <laughs> of great stuff. Yep, from mm-hmm. 1984. Uh, the Terminator. The critics' consensus was with its impressive action sequences, uh, taut economic direction, and relentlessly fast pace. It's clear why the Terminator continues to be an influence on sci-fi and action flick flicks. It got 100. percent on the tomato meter for critics, 89 from the audience. Um, I looked up Siskel and Ebert because uh, as a, someone that grew up in Chicagoland, they were an institution. It's really fun that I found this stuff. And I did find the one critic who did not like the Terminator. Of course, it's Gene Siskel because I don't Gene. Know, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not wow. some sort of, if it's not some sort of boring, like, I don't know. He's, I just love him anyways. Um, <laughs> But it was really interesting during this that they were both caught by surprise. And as a thing with the Terminator, it just mm-hmm. caught everybody by surprise about how popular with it. Uh, Toby, did you have the clip from 
Yep. Okay. Here it comes. This is uh, Siskel and Ebert talking about this movie. I think that within that little love story is actually uh, a potential for a full-scale film. Mm-hmm. If it had been about that, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Well, the whole paradox, which I won't give away, but the yeah. whole paradox of who that guy is and the fact that okay. he and this woman fall in love. That's nice. It's poignant. Yeah, it is it, kind of sweet, and it takes the whole idea of time travel and makes it into kind of a bittersweet sort of thing. Yeah. Plus, non-stop action, which is probably why the movie is number one at the box office. So, as an action picture, I thought it was pretty well made. As an action picture, I thought it was not particularly well made, uh, but the love story, you're right, is kind of nice. <laughs> oh, Gene. What a <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it's so funny though because he defends some really weird movies over the over the years like he, he was like a, a defender of carnosaur like of all really movies. It's like, yeah it's like what on earth like you didn't like the terminator like that's so strange oh man uh, okay let's get into your guys' thoughts about the terminator toby uh I mean, I'm not a horror film guy I, for me uh, not being educated in the horror film genre I put it in there and it's you know, the, the best horror film that I've, I can mention, you know, that I know of. Um, but I'm not a, a fan of the genre. I love it. I, I it, like we were saying earlier, like it's not a type of movie I would pick up and watch again, probably for another 10 years, maybe, but, um, it's great. You know, th- there's no doubt about it. It's great. Well-made. And what'd you think, Andy? Uh, I like it. I, it's a good 80 sci-fi movie. I don't, I, like I said, Terminator 2 is one of my favorite movies ever. So, like, I, I don't think I would bother watching this again for another 10 years, but I'm glad I did watch it again. I, you know, it's nice to remind me why I do love Terminator 2 so much, which was Terminator 1. It's good, though. It's good. And I, I, I think the horror genre is probably, probably is a good thing because I can see I'd be scary, especially like that last scene when the, I'm sure that robot singer, when he was actually the Terminator, I bet that was awesome as hell in 1984. I bet that was super scary. So, yeah, it was good. What do you think, Tim? Oh, I love it. It's it's so good. It's such a tight, like, smart, like, thriller, and, like, it's, like, does such a good job. And, yeah, it freaked me out when I was younger. And uh, Colette, my partner, she, like, that ending scene, like, terrified her as a child. Like, it, that was, like, a huge, huge kinder trauma scene for her like <laughs> she's brought that up many times <laughs> <laughs> the hand just, oh, the hand so just keeps surviving yeah. and oh. just like yeah and, and, yeah, and when it's, scary. it's crawling after it's so oh, good god yeah. <laughs> and then when it gets uh smushed out you know it's so crazy i think and tim you might have to um correct me but i was reading like i was watching where they're describing that they did it all with like they did it with like tin foil, like the 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 crushing thing. They did it with tin foil foam blocks, and mm-hmm. like like a little like light bulb that they kind of like killed, and then cigarette smoke, and they yeah, filmed wow. it, and that's and that was what they did. And what? I think that's what's really? wow, yeah. The, the inventive nature of the effects on this, I could go on for hours, but like the stuff that they pulled off because they had such a limited budget, and Cameron knew all that production stuff from working with Corman over the years that he knew how to like stretch a dollar. And like, there's like, like the, when like Arnold stands up after like the big truck crash and he's got like smoke coming off of his jacket, they were like using like a, like a low grade acid that they're pouring on him to create that smoking effect that they had just had on set. They were like, they the explosions they were creating with like Walnut flour, like Walnut, like grounds, like that, like, I guess it's like super like volatile and they're using it like flash bulbs to like set it off. It's like, it's just insane. The stuff that they were doing and like with basically nothing, like, I mean, they, they obviously had a $6 million budget, which is a decent, I mean, a budget for 1984, but like 
it I mean it, it's all on screen. No, it's just, you know, a lot of the costs came from the the robot parts, right? Like animating those when he was actually the Terminator. That's what I read once that like a lot of the budget was dumped into a little bit of CGI that they or you know the robot scenes and the anything like that. Yeah, no, no CGI, like. but I mean not CGI. Like, yeah, there's a lot of uh, but like special stop effects. Motion. Uh, yeah, yeah, stop motion. Like the um, the uh, kind of like having to make the suit move around and stuff like that. I don't know why I said CGI. Shows how bad movies yeah. are now. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, yeah, Stan, Stan Winston Studios. Like they built like there's. I mean, there's another team that did all the stop motion stuff, and they did so that same team did some of the uh, the miniatures for like the the kind of like flashback scenes. So all mm-hmm. there's like that stuff is like forced perspective, like those skulls are just like tiny little like you know mm-hmm. inch high, and they use forced perspective to build those sets out of like just cardboard cutouts and things like that, and then huh. smoke. Um, but they uh, they they did a lot of the stop motion stuff when you see some of the full body um, robot effects in the end. But then the rest of it, when you see the robot like upper torso, that's literally just like a really heavy like metallic puppet that Stan Winston built, and there's like a guy underneath it with it on its back and using rods to like to maneuver it, and it's, okay. uh, it's it, it works so well. Like mm-hmm. or, yeah. or even like that scene in the, the alley when they're shooting the alley when he jumps under the, the the hood of the car and like they use like a hydraulic arm to punch through the the glass. But like if you watch that like the car is standing still and the brick wall behind them is actually a fake brick wall that's on a semi truck that's moving behind them to create the effect. It's like they did some really clever effects work to do all the stuff in camera and make it like really believable. If you watch it, it's like seamless. You can't even really see what they're, how they're doing. Uh, Yeah. I would never be able to tell. I'm going to have to rewatch it now. (laughs) (laughs) Toby, did you have something? I think you had some. Oh, I was just uh, thinking about the budget. So this, the budget was around six million for this one. Uh, the other big movies, like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, was twenty-eight million. Beverly Hills Cop, fifteen million. Then Ghostbusters, uh, about twenty-five. Um, so it, you know, was magnitudes lo- less in terms of budget. But uh, as Tim said, like it's seamless. It's just beautifully done. Yeah, yeah. and so it's, it seems like a lot of it's just like the genius of a very hungry. James Cameron, who is literally and is mm-hmm. homeless, like he, you know, he <laughs> yeah. living in a car. He just fired his uh, agent because his agent said he didn't like the script, and um, and you know, it's it's almost like he assembles this team of all these sci-fi guys that didn't have a lot else to do and just launched everything, right? Because they're never yeah. going to not have money again, right? <laughs> After mm-hmm. this, right, right. <laughs> like, there's one thing that Jim, uh, James Cameron is going to do is have money it's just it's just it's just fascinating just how multi-talented i don't want to be like because i know there's i don't want to be groveling too much at uh, james cameron but it's just it's just crazy (laughs) you know it's like yeah this canadian truck driver that just taught him all this uh, taught himself all this stuff right yeah Yeah, i mean he's an incredible he did matte paintings for like escape from new york and he did like miniatures for escape from new york like he did like set designs for a lot of the that corman kind of like sci-fi stuff um, I mean, his, his like just painting skills, like he did concept art for Terminator. And have you ever seen some of that stuff? Like there's that painting of like half the robot face and half Arnold's face. Like Cameron did that. Like it's, wow. he's insanely Fun talented. Fun fact, he did the painting of, Ro- or the drawing of Rose on the couch in Titanic. Ooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> drawing that that Wait, I didn't hear that. Yeah. When she was naked what, on the couch what? and jacked up. The oh really? Oh, okay. Yeah, he he did that. 
I know. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk a little bit more about the uh, Terminator. So um, the movie is obviously very influential. It catapulted the careers of Arnold and James Cameron and then a lot of the sci-fi people as well. Um, but at the time, no one had had ideas who at least James Cam- James Cameron was. They they knew who Arnold was. He was Conan the, Bar- the Barbarian. And so, Tam, can you give a little bit more background about James Cameron and where he came from, especially from Roger Corman, Piranha Two, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, if, if people aren't familiar with Roger Corman, like he, like the Corman, is considered like the Corman school, but he, he was just like this, like crazy like influence i mean he's still alive and still making movies but like he's like got so many people there start by like giving them these like micro budgets to try and you know basically make a movie if like people were were hungry enough he would give them these like these shots to like make movies and the the list of people he's like whose careers he got going with like giving them a chance with like like james cameron there was like you know scorsese francis ford coppola like, you know, uh, it's just like um, Jonathan Demi. Like, I mean, there's crazy amounts of people that came out of his, his like production studios. It's, I mean, like as well as actors like Jack Nicholson and Sil- Sylvester Stallone. Um, so Cameron worked on a lot of those productions. He did a lot of, a. it was kind of in the era of all the Star Wars knockoffs. So there's a lot of sci-fi movies that Cameron had, or uh, Corman had, um, like a lumber yard on like uh, in Venice, California that they were building these sets and Cameron was just working like these 24 hour shifts with like a skeleton crew building these spaceship like sets and stuff. So he actually hired Bill Paxton, who was a, who's been now like been like a, was a, was like a lifelong friend of his. And that's why he pops up in like every one of his movies. Uh, but he hired him and he was also like homeless at the time to start like just painting set walls and they went and like robbed like dumpsters of the nearby like McDonald's to get like the styrofoam like containers and they would hot glue them to the walls and just spray paint them. And that was like the sets like that was like those like sci-fi sets were like built out of these like fast food containers and like spray paint. And like he's just like a brilliant, crazy guy. And so w- with that, he got his first like directing gig was Piranha 2. But it was like an Italian production is my understanding. And the Italian producer knew full well he was going to fire the american director who was going to get credit like which like he had done in like three previous pictures <laughs> so like cameron got on there and filmed supposedly like four or five days and then he was fired but like he brought on like lance hendrickson and some of his buddies onto the set and then during that time i guess he was like in rome crazy super sick with a fever and during like when he had like a high fever he had like hallucinations that was like a robot like torso with kitchen knives trying to get at him and he wrote the terminator script supposedly during that time where he's like holed up in like a hostel like like with a fever dream in rome <laughs> yeah with no food <laughs> he's just yeah. yeah literally starving and, yeah and ill he comes up with this oh, it, which is crazy yeah it's one of those amazing stories that makes people move to LA and wait yeah, tables right. Right. <laughs> like, yeah i can do yeah. this i can do yeah. this uh, but then it's it's funny like, when you watch the movie too, like like Gail Ann Hurd, who's the producer, um, she also was part of Corman's like teams, like like she would work for Corman for years, and like I said, Bill Paxton, uh, Lance Hendrickson, kind of was like involved with a lot of that stuff, and then like Dick Miller, who he, he was the he's the gun shop guy in Terminator, who like in the beginning when Arnold gets all the guns from him, you might recognize uh, Dick Miller, but he's like like the cameo guy, and he's like everybody who worked for Corman 
puts him in their movie. Mm-hmm. Like, so he's like the, he's a, the Walt uh, Putterman in Gremlins. So he's uh, he, like Dante puts him in all of his movies. Cause the, Joe Dante also came out of Corman and like, there's actually a documentary called that guy, Dick Miller. And it's all about like his like hundreds and hundreds of cameos and all these bit parts that he's had over the years, which is pretty fun. You know, you know. Also, it's pretty fun is looking at all these possible Terminators and Kyle Reese's and Sarah Connor. So, I'd like to get into that a little bit. So, uh, it took a while to get this thing cast, and a couple of people that were offered the Terminator job, uh, Mel Gibson, he turned it down because it wasn't his thing. Sylvester Stallone, um, Lance Hendrickson, you know, he was James Cameron's friend and actually helped seal the deal uh, by portraying the Terminator during. I think they were at or- Orion Pictures. And Hendrickson showed up as the Terminator and scared everyone in the office. And <laughs> at least he got a job. I wonder how Lance thought about that. He wasn't the Terminator anymore. But so, yeah. supposedly he did, never knew that he was even being considered. Oh. Like, and like, I think he was used for like concept art and stuff. But like, he, so, supposedly when he showed up to the Orion offices, he took it upon himself to put tinfoil on all of his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he just like showed up. He's like James Cameron. <laughs> like, <that's> like, <laughs> and everyone's like, he's not here yet. <laughs> um, here's another fun one. Didn't get very far, but OJ Simpson was pitched by a, a movie exec and turned away by James Cameron. <laughs> it's like, cause he said he wasn't menacing enough. Right. <laughs> Others that I read that were considered was Michael Douglas, Richard Gere, Harrison Ford, Kevin Klein, Jurgen Prochnow, and Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck was already. <laughs> Because at the time, yeah. like they were like James Cameron, um, thought like the Terminator was going to be kind of it was like Robert Patrick and T two that he's going to be able to he was like you know kind mm-hmm. of regular sized person right, mm-hmm. um, and until he met Arnold because Arnold was originally suggested for as Kyle Reese and Cameron, um, he couldn't say he had to take the meeting with Arnold because Arnold had a little bit of juice, and so Cameron went in all ready to. Uh, started a fight with him and so if he got in a fight with arnold then he could just tell him like this guy is just trouble i just i can't hire him anymore but anyways they end up uh getting together for a meal i think and during it arnold had all these notes about the terminator and so then all of a sudden they it turned around where like cameron just started thinking of arnold schwarzenegger as a terminator and i think he was cast the next day or something like that um and also, uh, interesting, James Cameron forgot to bring his wallet to this uh, lunch or dinner. And so Arnold had to pay for everybody that was there. Sure, sure. <laughs> <for> sure. <laughs> um, because, but they said that they didn't really think about Arnold. But then as as at the time, Arnold's like, well, he's 37 years old and he's a few years away from uh, Mr. Olympia. And he like he was almost as... as additional sci-fi without having to do it he was just a mountain of a man and really kind of um him being in there just kind of like made you think of the terminator as an unstoppable force you know oh yeah and they had to delay the beginning of the terminator due to uh schwarzenegger shooting conan the destroyer because dino de laurentis uh just like activate something in a contract and so they had to shoot that for nine months and so during this time James Cameron writes uh, Rambo 2, which uh, Stallone edited heavily, but he still is hired to, uh, to write that. And he also, um, I, I, I'm, I think, did he, did he write Aliens or did he sign 
the deal for aliens to Tim. I think he wrote the script during that time. Supposedly there's a bunch of so like supposedly Cameron was like really a pro- prolific like screenwriter and he was writing a lot of scripts that he even didn't get credit for and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But the story goes is that he built like a lazy Susan with like multiple typewriters on it and he had multiple scripts going at any given time. So when he gets stuck, he would just spin it and then wow. start working on another script and he would just sit and just bang out like three, four scripts at a time. Yeah. And, like, yeah, and, and at the time, James Cameron wasn't damn. turning anything down because he was broke. And so he literally took, he's like, each one's going to be two hours long. And so usually for a movie script, each page is about a minute of film. So he's like, I need 360 pages to write Aliens of Rambo 2 and the rest <laughs> of the Terminator. You know, keep working on that. So that's how I'm ever, you know, you just divide it per night and you just, just banged it out, which is another insane thing. So I guess mm-hmm. the question really quickly, out of all these different kind of terminators except for um arnold or the potential uh terminators which one do you think would be the best terminator toby uh clearly tom Selleck. i'd like to see the stash (laughs) (laughs) cybernetic stash yeah with a hawaiian shirt you know (laughs) oh how about you andy what do you think I know he wasn't on the list, but I think Dolph Lundgren would have been good. But I don't know if he was big in '84. Um, I, I also like Tom Selleck. Maybe Sylvester Stallone. None of them would have been as good. Uh, I guess I could see like a crazy Mel Gibson, like a super drunk anti-Semitic Mel Gibson being the evil uh, <laughs> Terminator. A very opinionated one. Terminator. Yeah, yeah we sent the. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, we sent uh, a, a cyborg back from the future to go drunk driving all over L.A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. What do you think, Tim? Do you think uh, Richard Gere would be that? Okay. Yeah, I'd say looking at that list, it's like Rich, Richard Gere, like Michael Douglas, like Kevin Klein. Like, oh, man, those are terrible. But but then when, when uh, you know, I think Andy mentioned T2, where you have like this nice guy who's like really scary. And I could, you know, it's just like right. persistence the makes them scary. I could see that. Like yeah. his mm-hmm. badass, right. like his arms turning into spikes and stuff, which was awesome for that. But mm-hmm. you just couldn't do that in the first one. I think, yeah, exactly. Because I think he wanted, uh, James Cameron kind of wanted him to be this liquid metal thing, but he just gave that up because he's like, this is just not going to work. So he made the liquid metal regular size guy in T2 um, and did Arnold in and T1. he was scary because he, could, he, was. he couldn't kill him. You know, he was just invincible, but not physically. You know. Yeah, another unstoppable force. Facing the Terminator was Kyle Reese. Age in the film is 22 years old. He's played by Nebraska native Michael Bean. Potential what ifs. Uh, Randy Quaid, which is crazy. I don't know. Mickey Rourke. <laughs> uh, Sting, which was, he, he just came off a of Dune, I believe. And Bruce Willis. Be pretty crazy. Um, Michael Bean actually didn't get it the first time he came in. He still had a southern accent from, um, he was, he was auditioning for cat on a hot tin roof and he had this southern accent and they're just like uh he's good and all but we just don't need someone with they want just like a flat accent and they're like wait 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 this guy's actually from nebraska what are you talking about he just had it from <laughs> he just got it because he was auditioning for this thing and came back in and got it uh potential with sarah connor's it looks seems like it took them forever to figure out who's gonna be sarah connor 
Uh, age in the film is actually 18 because, like Tim said, it was figured out in Terminator 2 Judgment Day where Sarah Connor was 29. And then that, and so John Connor was 10, even though Ed Furlong ends up looking like 19 at the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay. Uh, Originally, this part was written for Bridget Fonda. um, And then it was offered to Tatum O'Neill. And they decided to take it a little bit older for the actress. Uh, Deborah Winger, she was offered the part and turned it down. Gina Davis also auditioned. Kate Capshaw was thought about. They thought about her, but she's doing the Temple of Doom. Kathleen Turner was doing Romancing the Stone. Another old oldie but a goodie. Uh, Glenn Close was chosen, but she wasn't available. Julia Louis Dreyfus was forced to turn down the role to be on SNL. Daryl Hannah turned it down to be in Splash. Is down to Jennifer Jason Lee and Linda Hamilton. And it was Linda Hamilton who got it, and she broke her ankle right before shooting started. Uh, you know, they had this nine-month hiatus, and James Cameron was doing all this time. They had everything perfectly worked out, and she broke her ankle, so they had to rearrange everything. So any time she was kind of running, they shot that at the end of the shoot because they were just letting her sort of heal. And um, Lieutenant Traxler, I thought this was pretty funny. A couple others that were... Um, Considered Edward James Olmos and uh, Louis Gossett Jr. So those were potential potentials. You're listening to the Aging Hipster Rewatch. Are you guys ready to talk a little bit more about the Terminator? Because I have a question. Yeah. So if you could time travel, <laughs> as long as you have living living cells covering it, why didn't Terminator like swallow a gun or something? <laughs> 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 well, it doesn't explain the hair either. He acquired the guns pretty easily, though. Yeah. I mean, the guns didn't <laughs> seem to be too. He just went in and shot the guy, <laughs> like he did an <laughs> almost normal transaction the and then just killed the guy. Yeah, the guy was a terrible <laughs> gun store owner. <laughs> yeah, we just need to make sure to beam in. Don't you load that a, uh, a gun shop? Yeah, <laughs> so, like here's my uh, retail uh, selection of shotgun shells right here. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know how it works at a gun. St- I mean, I I, I've never been in one. I don't know. They don't let you shoot them that easy. They did have a background check back then, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I bet the Republicans hated that. <laughs> yeah, they still do. Uh, I'm sorry. I thought that was kind of funny because I was thinking about that. It's like, why, if he doesn't need any organs, like, why, like, they, he could just go out there and he could, like, poop out, like, a, a laser gun or something, you know? But, yeah, but if I mean, I all of that mass filled with circuitry and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's true. <laughs> no, never mind. I mean, it, it, in the future <laughs> movies, they have like built-in weapons and stuff into their arms, right? Like, isn't there like a isn't that one of those things that they like started like incorporating into like later Terminators where they yeah, he's like, an original like, model. Guns and stuff. Uh, you're right. Okay, sorry. I thought I was being clever. <laughs> I was being an asshole. Anyways, uh, uh, <laughs> all right. I do have some trivia. I have trivia and um, games sprinkled in in between all this conversation about the Terminator. First trivia. This is going to be for Andy because I think Tim's going to know it. Yeah. yeah. $10,000 pyramid. All right. You don't, We're ready you now. You don't have $10,000. So, yeah, <laughs> not at all. All right. Orion Pictures gave James Cameron two notes on the movie. What suggestions did they make? Okay. You ask money? Both of us? Oh, no, you know this, don't you, Tim? <laughs> 
I think I have an. I mean, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to one of one okay. of them, but I'm not positive on the other one. All right, who wants to give a stay shot? Under, stay under. Stay under budget. budget. They're actually. I don't think they're that unhappy with them. I mean, they end up having to give a little bit more money, but they're oh, generally. No they generally. They, yeah. They split the budget with Hemdale, I think. Yeah. There's two productions on it. But these are like story notes. You know, like yeah. they, they kind of stayed out of it, but they gave them two suggestions. Does anybody know what they are? Or guess. Toby. The, the, uh, that uh, he has to be. They have to leave it open for a sequel. That is incorrect. Tim. I, I believe one of the notes was that they wanted it to end with the explosion of the truck. They like didn't want the whole ending scene because it was too expensive or something, or they didn't want they just wanted it to end there. No, nope, that is, is that incorrect. Right? The truck was actually a miniature. They ended up doing a the miniature. They, they... You know, I, I was saying that they wanted to end it with oh. the truck. I don't think they wanted the warehouse se- sequence. I thought no, but, oh. maybe they did, but this is not the the notes I'm thinking of. Andy, kind of guess one they, guess. They want more nudity. <laughs> like yeah they had unfortunately arnold went through a shadow at the time when he's walking up to bill paxton so he didn't really see the goods there you know, saying, yeah, yeah, exactly. the whole that's all i could think yeah. of is that and some linda hamilton boob yeah that. Uh, do they want to, do they want to expand the love story that is correct that's no one and james, yeah. okay. james cameron <laughs> took that note and as you can see it really played with gene siskel and also other people like (laughs) you know um and then the sentimental crowd yeah number two did not get very far they wanted uh, michael bean kyle reese to have a cyborg canine um (laughs) like buddy (laughs) 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 yeah see that's a good one (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. Hey, this is impossible, but we want you to do this. Yeah, because you need to train the dog as well as all this stuff. <laughs> but, right. Okay, so here's a question, a serious question. Um, in your opinion, like, how did the Terminator change movies as a whole, or also your own personal expectations of movies? What do you guys think? I don't know if that makes sense. Um, Toby, like, how how do you view the influence of the Terminator? Uh, well, I think, um, so according to Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, uh, in 1984, like the, the idea of like this uh, scary horror thriller with like a nice love, like a really well-written love story, uh, to them seemed unique and interesting. And, um, I could, you know, I could see that having influence beyond this genre, like you could, you know, um, but I don't know, Tim. What do you think? You're saying what? What kind of influence did it have? Yeah. How did the Terminator change movies? I mean, it definitely like spectacles. Be- I mean, it became more that whole spectacle aspect. Like, was more and more. I mean, it was already a th- becoming a thing, but it definitely added to that. Like, you know, more and more of the explosions and things like that of like '80s movies. Uh, but I mean, it, it it also led to a whole number of like knockoffs. I mean, there's so many like Terminator ripoffs is like a whole genre upon itself now. Of like, I mean, like Cyborg obviously is like was hugely influenced by it. But there's like you know Lady Terminator out of the Philippines, and there's like um, a whole number of I mean, like Class of 1999, and like tons and tons of like low budget like Cyborg killers like unstoppable killing machines 
I mean, it's ba- and it also, I mean, it's basically just added more to the '80s slasher genre because he's basically it's it's a slasher film in a sense. I mean, he's just this, he's basically like Jason Voorhees, or Jason Voorhees is kind of like a Terminator. I mean, they're very interchangeable, and in except for the fact that he's not a robot, but it's this unstoppable force. So, I mean, it didn't reinvent things to a certain degree, but it also like did for like sci-fi movies. It's class of 1999. I think I've seen it. Is that like where this whole high school class, they're all just like in these like futuristic gangs and they're just shooting having all these shootouts. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 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 Roddy, Roddy McDowell. And stuff, oh yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, there's, I mean, there's also hilarious on a side note of ripoffs. I and mean, there's a ton of like Italian ripoffs of like every movie, every popular movie they would just, you know, cash in. There's a really hilarious one called Hands of Steel, which is great. Like, it's just like this blatant Terminator ripoff. I can't see you. I don't want to see. No, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see you. Paco? Go away. Please listen to me. It's all over. You've got nothing to be afraid of. Why should I go on living? Have you forgotten what I am? Paco, you can become a man again. They know now that you were being used, who were normal before you ended up in that laboratory. And that you saved the best part of you, your soul. You really think so? Look at this, Linda. Oh, God. You see? Maybe Paco Quirac never even existed. That's directly, like, they, like the whole opening his arm scene is in there, but like, oh, really? much more poorly done. <laughs> uh, but there's also an amazing Bruno Mattai, who's like this like schlocky filmmaker. He actually made he thought he got the script for Terminator Two, but until he's tried to make it before they made Terminator Two. So he released his movie as Terminator 2 in Italy before Terminator 2 was made, but he actually had the Aliens script. So it's more of an alien ripoff that has a Terminator that shows up in the end. <laughs> it's amazing. It's called also called Shocking Dark, but yeah. Oh, we got to watch that. <laughs> One thing I wonder that's really cool about is this paradox. Like, like he sends his dad back. But he doesn't, you know, he has to send it. He doesn't, you know, he know. it's like this whole thing. He, if he doesn't send it back, then he's never born. And like, you know, two years or one year later, Back to the Future comes out with a very similar paradox. And I'm wondering if there's any connection there. You know, I don't know. Yeah, or, I, I hadn't thought about that. And oh, actually, yeah. when I was watching, rewatching Terminator today, Colette pointed that out. She's like, it's literally like the flip side of Back to the Future. It's like, instead of like, yeah, it's like the dad getting sent back as opposed to the son getting sent back to reunite the dad it's like it's like that it, it is really weirdly similar slightly darker back to the future <laughs> yeah. Brown was yes, much more the violent. days of the uh the war. <laughs> <laughs> oh. he has to give his clothes to, to marty yeah. <laughs> oh marty andy what do you think can't. the mo- yeah <laughs> uh andy what do you think the most kick-ass scene was that's an official Dang. term <laughs> I I think um it gave us Arnold more so I mean obviously he had done Conan the Barbarian but then kind of launched his career even more so and that was you know he kind of personified eighties over the top action and also obviously gave us James Cameron 
as a you know more like you know and he gave us many great films after that so i i think yeah the actual movie did change things but i think what it kind of launched the careers it launched was probably bigger not linda hamilton thank god for to t- yeah well yeah, i kind of didn't do that great she has an identical twin did you wow. guys know that that's pretty crazy yeah wow they they used her in terminator 2 yeah hmm. yeah because there's like some scenes where like there's like an over-the-shoulder shot and like she's in the foreground or something that was like a mirror it's oh, like they, wow. they used her twin to pull off some of the the optical effects yeah. it's crazy and so how about how about what's our favorite scenes in the terminator either it's just the favorite just you like or the most technically impressive i got a I got to say, I always, what really stuck with me as a little kid who liked to daydream a lot, you know, were those uh, future scenes. Like, there's only a couple of them, but I just remember, I just, for whatever reason, that's what stuck with me, the sci-fi elements. I didn't even really realize it was a horror movie until you guys were talking about it, because I always thought it was, like, like this really cool, like, future story, and it's, like, five minutes or something, but it just, like, I was just like, oh, that's so cool. There's just, like... They're just destroying the hunter killers, these HKs, and they're driving around in this car, and they, you know all that. You know you those kind mm-hmm. of few s- scenes, like that's what I just kind of constantly daydreams. Like, oh man, one day, like, what if I was sent back, you know, into you know into <laughs> right. the past, and just to be here in Spring Grove Elementary, the to save the hot girl's life, you know, like yeah. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> I, I, I wished it was, but. Um, <laughs> Andy, what was your favorite scene? Honestly, I I, I, I agree. I like the uh, the cannon building and the kind of the story building of the uh, the past when he's having his little flashbacks. You know, he's about to drive in the car and he has that flashback of him and his buddy running away and stuff like that. And it's definitely a. I don't know if you know you're thinking about it being a horror movie. I mean, it definitely is a horror movie, but I, I still think of it. Yeah, it's a sci-fi movie first and foremost for me and. Some of those more sci-fi elements is cool. And then I guess one scene that really stood out was when he's taking his eye out. And so he's like oh. looking in the mirror and you could just, I mean, it's the, they really tried with the, his face is completely prosthetic at that point. So it's just totally not Arnold anymore. And then, then it shows the, but then it, it shows the eye for the first time. And it's pretty cool, but it was mm-hmm. pretty, uh, it stood out as the, uh, immediately being able to tell that it was not Arnold anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, how about you, Toby? Um, I'll go with like the, the, the comedic break here. And I've got the little audio clip here. Uh, I'm a friend of Sierra Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. I want to wait. There's a bench over there. I'll be back. Then he Becomes drives back. his car through the place. Yeah. <laughs> he comes back. Yeah. Uh, uh, is that the only cut? Because that that was I I I saw watched that and I go this this is like a funny line like like at this point in the movie and um, did you all see it that way that I'll be back line you know, how he looks around and just makes sure he can yeah. ram his car in <laughs> like, yeah I mean, yeah I mean I think I guess, it meant yeah, to be comedy. sort of comedic yeah. Yeah, I can't it's, like it's it's so hard to think about like because it's been said so many times. It's such an iconic mm-hmm. line about like how right. I thought it at the time, but now it's it's been played for however many times. It's now like in 
dead vocabulary for me now where right. I'll be back. <laughs> you <know? Right. laughs> but it's it's still a great scene. Uh, one of the few lines that Arnold had, and I guess they actually fought about it um, because like Arnold's like, why why don't you say like I will be back or something like that? And James Cameron, who's always is also a grouch, is like, um, I don't tell you how to f and act, so don't tell me how to f and write or something like that. You know, like, <laughs> uh, Tim, what's your favorite scene? Uh, I mean, I guess you guys you, you kind of touched on some of the the future stuff is great. That car driving through the police station is great. Um, I guess to add to that, I mean, the like I mentioned before, that alleyway like scene where they're driving in reverse and he's on the hood and stuff. Like, I think that stuck with, stuck with me a lot when I was a younger, like that, that was a, like in the whole techno like sequence, like the whole shootout in the club. I think it's pretty, pretty iconic moment. You know, it's been kind of like ripped off multiple times. Mm-hmm. But. And so as you, as a kind of sound, uh special effects guy, what, what was the one special effects that just kind of, do you remember that just kind of blew you away? I mean, there's so much, but I mean, I think that all that future stuff, the, all that those models and all that kind of stuff in the future, like the the HKs and all that stuff, is just like it's so cool. Uh, and then I guess, and then the end, you seeing that whole endoskeleton like get up and like move. It's like, even though it's like you know, it's like you can see it's clearly stop motion and stuff. It's still like so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, um, here's another bit of trivia. Did Arnold have more lines in the Terminator or Conan the Barbarian? Any, any, anyone want? It's gotta yep. be Conan the Barbarian, right? I would guess it's less in Terminator because there's multiple lines that he delivers that are overdubbed by other actors, like he's mimicking other people's voices, right? So that that wouldn't count, right? You're talking about like actual Arnold's voice. Conan? Oh no, line. <laughs> oh, now you're getting. <laughs> Busted. Whatever, Tim. Like we don't even care about this. Did that happen? I didn't know that. Well, line. I guess lines in the script written for him, or that kind of came out, regardless if it's Arnold's voice or not. <laughs> well, any with all guesses? that info, I'm gonna go with Conan had more lines. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have many. Yeah, uh, and this I think is, uh... James. Yeah, James Cameron deliberately wrote it to have less lines in the Terminator. I think he had like 14 or something like this or something like really low in Terminator and Conan. Well, like his 17. German accent worked well with the Barbarian. And also for the Terminator, they're talking about, it's like, well, you can actually be like, they haven't really developed a speech, whatever, you know, module yeah. or something like that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> All right, so uh, I have a we have a game right here. It's called Treasure or Trash It. We're going to go through popular. Oh, I, I wrote a whole thing about this. It's pretty witty, so I'm going to read it. So there's a popular story about James Cameron that, is literally, that he was literally sleeping in his car while writing this story. Even though he was homeless, he still might have to go to someone's kid's birthday and bring a gift. In this game, let's look at some hot toys from 1984 and rate if we should treasure it for future generations or send a T-800 after it. And destroy it forever. All right. The first one is the A-Team van. Price $69.99. It's a uh, cruise with the power of direct drive pedal action. So you're actually pedaling this. 
uh, on the 18 fan four by four styling with high gloss finish and a full color photo of the 18 on the hood. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like the real thing. Just like the real thing. <laughs> because no matter what, you should just have the picture of like your unit like on your on your car. Like they're really um, yeah, has a plastic body with independent front suspension, steel oh. <laughs> steering rods, and rear roll bar. Toby, oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a keeper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you just had to pedal it everywhere, Tim. What do you think? Treasure or trash oh, it? You got to treasure it. Anything connected to Mr. T, you got to treasure. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Andy? That thing sounds awesome. I at first thought it was a small toy, and then once you started describing it as something you could drive, yeah, that thing is cool. <laughs> All right, next up is the number one toy of 1984. Toby, I think you have a clip. I do. Yeah, uh, here it is. Um, oh man, those were so cool back in the day. Oh, the Transformers still are. Yeah, now I mean, with the, all the movies, I don't know, but it's oh, the movies. Yeah, but I loved having yeah. Optimus Prime. Yeah, does everyone uh, agree? Is this a treasure? Right? Yeah, this is. Oh yeah, otherwise, clearly. Andy, before the movies, before Michael Bay, yeah, got his right. hand on them. Yes, after I don't know, I don't know now. <laughs> yeah, <I> don't know. <laughs> oh. All right, next one is Cat in the Hat Rocker, twenty four ninety nine in nineteen eighty four. This Doctor Seuss Cat in the Hat Rocker is made of a brightly colored plastic with a cloth hat and bow tie. Looks like you're sitting within the Cat in the Hat. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> oh, no. Toby, treasure or trash it? Uh, this is a good one. This is this is for the. This could be in a horror film. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to uh, treasure it yeah. for that reason. Yeah. We should save it for that. That case. All right, Tim. I mean, it's Dr. Seuss, so I have to appreciate that. But yeah, it's horrifying. The horrifying nature makes me want to treasure it. Yeah. Uh, and Andy. I think I'm going to trash this one. I don't. I don't think <laughs> oh, no. Does the, does the cat only have like a one front leg and one like back leg? <laughs> yeah, because. <laughs> He does. One front leg, one back leg. Uh, are you like? Are your legs supposed to like be the other two legs? <laughs> right. <laughs> is this canon? Is it like green eggs and ham? Oh my god. Uh, okay. Imagine Next you ask toy. for the eighteen van and you get that instead. That would really suck. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, or you could also ask for. Uh, the Coleco, great Coleco Vision, Cle- yeah, Coleco, Coleco, yep. Sorry, I was, I didn't have this, but Coleco Vision <laughs> video game system and console from Coleco, one hundred twenty nine dollars. The Coleco video game system and uh, console features high resolution graphics and precision gameplay. Combines an eight direction joystick for split decision, uh, split second decisions, and a twelve button keypads for lots of options. Oh, let me see. There's, I put that like little thing there for all the different they had like donkey kong or some burger time yeah burger uh, time yeah fortune builder i don't think i saw that that's but i mean this was the system for a, a while this was the yeah. one you wanted gorf didn't nintendo come out 85 though 
didn't NES come out in '85? Uh, yeah, I think NES came out in '85. Yep. So the this, Cle- this, sorry, go ahead. ColecoVision was like the co- competitor to Atari 2600, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coleco was out, uh, I think in 82 and they, they had a huge, they had like, uh, uh, word games and stuff. Like you could buy a, 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 a keyboard, like, a you know, a computer keyboard that could then run software. And, um, I think it had like one of those tape deck, uh, software packages, so, you know, do you know it was Coleco before or after Intellivision? Cause it was, a, that was the same company, right? It was like a, a either update to it or like a, Weird. I always thought they were competitors, but um, you you could be right. Uh, I don't know. I know that uh, they were com- they were directly in competition because my I used to play in television and wish it was ColecoVision. <laughs> okay, okay. So it was like a knockoff of ColecoVision. I'm not sure. Yeah, because that also had the number pad things with like the the yeah. wired cord and everything. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, and television had, like... had B52 Bomber, um, which I played recently. And oh, not man. like I remember yeah. it. <laughs> Was it in television that had, had little, like the games with the little slide in thing, like over top of like the keypad? So like it gave you instructions of yes, the game? yeah. So like in television, you'd get a, uh, a like they it would ship like the games would ship with a covering for your keypad, and yeah. it never made any logical sense. But like all no. the like so there were like uh, what nine numbers plus the directional thing and so like each number would be like if you're playing baseball like where the zero is that could be swing the bat where the one is that's like throw the pitch (laughs) 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 well Coleco had a bunch of other really great uh games like river raid that i remember that one yeah Yeah. um what's another uh donkey kong jr of course Mm -hmm. let's see and so, yeah, I think this we'd all take this, right? We'd all take Coleco, right? And no. television is just something for for suckers. We're not going to play that. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, continue on. We could uh, skip the Ewoks rocking chair because that sucks <laughs> for like yeah, twenty four ninety nine. I don't know. It doesn't uh, look like... yeah. And uh, the Make a Bear kit. I thought this was pretty funny. So the eight ninety nine, the Make a Care Bear kit lets you take two precious little favorites. Uh, let's you make uh, two precious little favorites. This yarn sewing activity includes tender heart bear and happy birthday bear. So you have to basically kit includes plastic safety needle, yarn, and plas- plastic grid. So you, they're telling you to sew your own make a bear or <laughs> your own. Uh, I'm sorry, care bear. Crochet your own little crappy bear. Uh, I think you're doing his belly, which is still <laughs> oh, okay. still kind of sucks. Like. And then the best one that I found for fourteen ninety nine, uh, you could get an official Menudo rock guitar. Join the <laughs> Fab Five with this official Menudo rock guitar. Double cutaway, uh, thirty inch long plastic body has groups has the group's photo because just like the eighteen van, you have to keep the photo. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. And, uh, uh, six nylon strings with precision friction tuning pegs. Uh, is that good? I, Toby, Tim, I know you guys are guitarists. Like, is this all like great stuff? Like, that's what you want. I mean, th- this, these are the specs you look for, right? Yeah. Like a thirty-inch neck. Yeah. Is that? Is, yeah, like, the whole thing is precision inches, friction. Yeah. yeah, it's it's precision. It's not just like uh, what's a what's like the opposite, like. <laughs> Yeah, it's a sloppy tuning peg. Like not, but honestly, like it comes with a pick. Yeah. And, and, and a you music really book. want your guitar to come with a pick and music book. Yeah, it's an actual <laughs> guitar. 
Uh, <laughs> Someone out there Randy, learned uh, how to play guitar on the Menudo guitar. Uh, Someone uh, learned how to play guitar. Andy, do you know drum. do you know who Menudo is? Dude, uh, I think very uh, no, Toby. Well, I'm just gonna be honest, Toby. Why don't you right. why don't you remind us? All right. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Can't guitar? Guitar. <laughs> yeah. Like, where's the guitar? <laughs> well, and that was like what, like eight-year-old Ricky Martin singing. Yeah, he's like the youngest yeah. one there, which is yeah, that's really? that's funny because I was just listening to that, like that that music book is like blank. Like there's <laughs> nothing in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no guitar played by Venuto. Yeah. Um <laughs> What do you think, Tim? The Menudo guitar? Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I'll have to trash it. Oh. <laughs> Andy. The pre- precision friction tuning pegs aren't selling me. <laughs> like a different I never liked Guitar Hero either, any real guitar gifts. So I think I'd probably trash that. Toby, AT wait, Man I, is still I, my favorite. <laughs> I could see myself sitting in the A team van while learning to play guitar. Yeah. I'm keeping it. Save more money than Lico. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I could definitely see like back in high school when Toby and I were playing in bands all of a sudden, like <laughs> like all we have is the Menudo <laughs> guitar today. <laughs> like my brother's took my real guitar. Yeah. Well the great thing is at fifteen dollars, I mean yeah. <laughs> you can't beat the price. Oh man! Yeah. All right, for guitar. Where are you going to find a guitar for fifteen dollars? Especially in '84. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a good deal. That's a good deal. All right, let's get back to the Terminator. Next question: uh, Please rate Linda Hamilton's hair on a scale of sure. That looks great. <laughs> great to like to oh god, um, Andy. Oh god. For the for initial <laughs> part of the movie, it gets better at the end when she's in the yes. jeep. At the yeah. end, it's better. So I will throw that in there. Tim, I, I agree. Her 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 hair has a serious character arc. So <laughs> <laughs> it looks like different types of animals throughout, it's like, like a beaver yeah. to a possum or like to a squirrel. And uh, how about you, Toby? Shed, it's it's. Skin. I mean, this is yeah. <laughs> I mean, even Arnold's hair is, goes through a character arc too. I mean, it just slowly gets more and more burned yeah, off. Right, right. <laughs> Toby, where, what are you saying when Linda comes out of the to meet you at Tech Noir? Like, oh gosh, uh, I mean, she's a stone fox. Like <laughs> any hair. Yeah, any hair. <laughs> oh man! All right, back to a little bit of trivia. So Michael Bean, I thought this was pretty interesting. Michael Bean was almost brought back for T two. Do you guys know for what yeah. role? Yeah, like flashbacks. Flashbacks. Well, I, there was actually a scene, kind of, uh, I think, shot with him as a hallucination, like a flashback. But for a time, they're actually so Arnold's coming back as the good Terminator, and he was actually thinking about maybe Michael Bean would be Robert Patrick. I'm and until they flip it, but then 
Yeah, but then James Cameron ended up nixing the idea because he thought it would just be too complicated. You know, people would just be too confused. That could have been kind of so. cool, though, because Linda Hamilton would have been, like, super attached to him. Mm-hmm. And it would have been really hard for her to accept that. it would. Yeah, you'd have her switching allegiances would be tough. That would have been cool. And then, okay, so, Toby, you were kind of talking about it before, but would it be crazy to be hanging out with your dad and send them back in time to die and impregnate your mom? Or could you keep that secret? <laughs> I personally could not. <laughs> giving him a random photo. Here, have a photo yeah, of my yeah, mom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of weird. Like, like, like uh, Back to the Future, how, how Michael J. Fox is like, oh, isn't you got to go get with the mom. Like, uh, isn't she hot? And yeah. like, you know, be cool. Oh, my baby dad, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like if, if, uh, that would have been a good Terminator too. That she falls in love with Edward so long. (laughs) (laughs) She's only 29. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be kind of crazy. Like it'd be, imagine Toby, if you were like John Connor and I was like Kyle Reese probably be pretty crazy if like the whole time you're like why do you keep on asking me to play catch with you totally <laughs> like i don't get this like, like why do you care if i approve of you or not like hey look at this photo of my mom no you, you keep it yeah, no, you're, no. Good. No, you're, i don't need no. it back yeah andy have you ever given a picture of your mom to anybody just <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> No, but I've also never sent my dad back in time to phone my mom. So, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like you have, yeah, you have a mission. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. um, and then another question I had was, uh, how bad do you think Kyle Reese smelled by the end? <laughs> oh man, so bad. I know. Like, do you think he took a scenes where he did bathe? Yeah, he started off by like uh, mugging a homeless man for his clothes. That is true. Pants. I forgot about that. So yeah. those are probably cleaner than what he was coming from the future. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> those pheromones he was giving off were probably hot as hell, though. <laughs> yeah, it's it those uh, approachable, just like those wounded eyes. It didn't matter what he smelled yeah. like. Right. Yeah, I don't remember them taking a bath when he, they're in the hotel. They're just making plastique. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, and then they they had sex at some point. That must have been gross. Yeah. Did you think it's they cleaned smelly. up for? Yeah. I'd clear. Like to think I would so. have liked more <laughs> guidance on that. <laughs> I think that this is uh, something that is open for fan fiction, Toby. If you wanted to get it, <laughs> well, to that's it. what it that's like, why they wanted more in the uh, the they wanted the relationship. You know, explain more is because they just want to see if there was a bath a shower scene. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but life finds a way, and then John Connor <laughs> drops in there. Okay, I got another bit of trivia to kind of finish it off for myself. True or false? Uh oh. Yeah, let's see. I don't know if this is written right. Okay. All right. For the last scene when she's driving away, driving into the mountains, did they have a filming permit? For that scene, true. <laughs> it's, 
that they, that they did or they didn't? They did or didn't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The question. I, I, I would assume that they probably didn't, but I know because they know they shot multiple scenes without a permit. Like there's the scene when Arnold's in like the sub, like suburban environment and he goes over and punches the through like the car window. Like they shot that whole scene without a permit and they were like run and gun. <laughs> yep. That is, uh, that is correct. They did not have a scene. They they just no. went out there. There's a few people. James Cameron, like uh, think like the Gary Wheeler, or you know the guy that was in Fantasy two, the Fantasy Two special effects guy, I think, mm-hmm. um, and Gail Ann Hurd. They all went there without, and they that wasn't Linda Hamilton. That was actually like Gail Ann Hurd's like assistant that drove into the there, and they found a dog, and there is like there's nobody like going either way, and all of a sudden they a cop comes. In the you know wow. the the one car that they see is a cop, and everyone's wow. like, like oh no, and he stops like, do you guys have like a permit for this or something like this? And uh, they also had Gary Wheeler's uh, college aide son there at the time, just helping out. He was just like moving stuff, and they're all like, oh, we're doing a college movie for our son. <laughs> He's in, like, <laughs> just helping oh, him out. He's in UCLA. Yep. And then the wow. officer just let him get away with it. And it's like, oh, I'll stop wow. some uh, traffic and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, they, with all the guerrilla filmmaking, they just blamed it on this guy and they just <laughs> shot it without a permit. What what happens if you get busted? I would busted feel like a, with... probably a fine or something, right? I know it's that yeah. bad. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a pretty hefty fine depending on the state. Oh, okay. um, I just feel like in 1984, the simpler time. I just feel like it was like, oh, okay. I don't know. It just surprises me that they were looking for permits i was gonna say in the 1930s uh we learned in one of our earlier podcast episodes here that um so thomas edison owned all the the filming all the movie camera patents and so like when they would uh all the people they partly moved to california or maybe primarily so they could like the the time for the lawyers to get there was a lot longer and so anytime they knew that they would get a when that the lawyers were coming out, they'd all move the whole film production down to Mexico. And then they, they basically couldn't do anything. That Edison was an asshole, man. He sucked. <laughs> That's all their podcast, but I, I he's not a good guy. No, but I mean, filming permits has like been a thing for a long time. I mean, but, but then again, like there's always been those kind of like run and gun productions. Like it was really popular in the seventies with all the exploitation films a lot of those I just, productions they were I, I like, guess like on a road no like that i would assume like you know yeah. it just looks like it's in the middle of the nowhere i'm just assuming some little lowly deputy from some bumble town what are you doing you know like i guess you know i don't know like that area was it was not as uh rural as I, as it looks all right any other thing that you guys want to talk about with the terminator Oh, I wanted to just quickly bring up. I, I have a, a 15 second clip of the theme song, which oh, yeah. I think is it's brilliant. Like it's mm-hmm. just scary. It's it's like everything uh, this movie needed. And so here it goes. Did you get to the dun 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 dun? I, I, is that in the uh, second I, one? I, I, oh, is that in the, I was about to say, did they add that for the second one? I don't know. No, it's in the, it's in the first one too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think. But yeah. Go ahead. It was like Brad Fidel, like who did it, is like crazy talented. But 
he did it all in his garage. Like he recorded the whole thing with synthesizers really? in his garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think he described it like for, I, and I'm not really sure the technical aspects, but like for whatever reason, like his technology wasn't really kind of meshy with James Cameron's technology. So he almost had to like play it at the same time or something, you know, like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, yeah, he, he was using a bunch of different synthesizers, like Oberheim's and profits and things like that. And, for like at that time period, like he didn't have like an interface type of thing that could like MIDI sync them. So he was literally like doing these weird rhythms, but he was having to play the rhythms by hand and then hand like by ear, like kind of dial in like the tune, like the, the tempos to try and match them. Um, it's crazy. He was even able to get it's it impressive. as like old school filmmaking. Crazy. Very yeah. Impressive. Good. Stunning. It's, yeah. It's awesome. But yeah, he, he, he described it as he was trying to create uh, uh, like a, it was like a mechanical heartbeat is his thought process on like what you're hearing in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the main kind of like that dun, 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 like, right. and so he was using like synthesizers, but I supposedly like another uh, composer, Richard band was hired to do the score, but he wanted to do a full, full orchestra and Cameron wanted it more electronic to make it more like, you know, robotic. And so Fidel had been hired to do it and he wasn't like, totally sold on the script but like yeah once he saw like the rough cut of the picture he was like kind of blown away and was able to do it like with very little money which is probably another reason they didn't want to do the orchestra because they didn't have any money right. left right exactly yeah that yeah. that too like, no no the other, no, no other, orchestra other, it's okay <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. the other weird thing on like i think it probably is because of the synthesizers and that weird rhythmic stuff that he was doing the time signature for that theme is like so weird like if you i don't know like it's like a total nerdy like music theory uh-huh. thing but like it's like 13 sixteenths or something like that oh, wow. like it's something really weird like it's so hard to wrap my brain around like what the actual rhythm of that theme is but it's like it's so good <laughs> slate has an article about the time signature of that song oh really <laughs> <laughs> what is the time signature of the ominous electronic score of the terminator that's the yeah article. uh <laughs> written in 2014 <laughs> is it 316 i don't even know how to do that i just know four four i'm just rock and roll well, all really the way straight, right? it wasn't five four and it wasn't seven eight <laughs> <laughs> and they're like doing this weird it's great they're like doing this weird counting stuff in the article you know they're like well it's not three four <laughs> it's a, i think it's an i saw it in an interview with like brad fidelli talking about it that it was like he said it was like 13 16 or so i was like what is yeah here's that? what it says uh the verdict this is in the slate article it's in 13 16 three plus three plus two plus two <laughs> it's a clue <laughs> <laughs> well he's just doing as he's going along so it didn't even matter <laughs> oh man oh it's such a good good theme though god i love that score so much on like how it it gradually builds like at the beginning it's just like oh, yeah. you know you just kind of like hear it like yeah. growling at the beginning like dun, yeah dun, dun, oh, you're you know, jacked like, up by the end like by the end you're you're all into it yeah <laughs> uh anything else what else we got open agenda as one thing i was going to mention that i forgot about until i rewatched it today was the that it's such a weird moment but that little kid in the diner putting the scoop of ice cream into her like apron like oh. What, like what like why is that why would anybody do that and then there's like a they, they made a choice to like overdub somebody's yeah. like voice to go like way to go kid you should get the tip it's like yeah what like why you're encouraging this little right like, 
I mean, that was probably written by a non-parent because, like, my kids would never give up a, a scoop of ice cream for something like, no. that. like over their dead body, like a beautifully formed gelato or something. Yeah, it's like a and, rainbow and it, thing. Like, no, like, it was. I got ice cream with them today, and they were just like they hoovered it down. They like fought each other for it, you know. Like, but then, like, and, and it. Yeah. If they were to like lose a Scooby, wouldn't be like incur- like like congratulating them on being it's like all right, <laughs> it's like, for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other funny thing is like the uh, when sh- she gets the answering machine message from her like whatever guy she's seeing who's like breaking off her date with her. Mm-hmm. That's James Cameron's cameo. It's, uh, that's his mm-hmm. voice. He, it's fun. Yeah, and he's also he, is he in every. Um, does he put himself in the cameo and everyone? Because he's also in True Lies. He was the helicopter pilot who's like he has really? his, uh, yeah right. he he has his uh he has her oh her head's in his lap Yahoo and that's James Cameron. Yeah. You know? yeah. I know Peter Jackson puts himself in all of his movies. I didn't know James Cameron did that. I think he does like a voice in most movies. Yeah. I don't know if it's every movie, but there's a lot of movies that he does some sort of like voice voiceover. I, I have a truncated list here. Uh, in Terminator, he's the hotel clerk when Sarah and Kyle check in. Aliens, oh. he's part of the voice of the Queen Alien. Uh, in The Abyss, he's voices the pilot asking for clearance. Uh, T two, he provides some screams of the T one thousand. Lies the pilot thing. Like you said. Uh, Titanic, he asks a passenger about an ice, iceberg and then appears at a different scene in the background. And then uh, Avatar, he's on the radio uh, in one of the scenes. Surprised he didn't make himself a little Avatar person in Avatar. Yeah, right. Yeah. Avatar 2, maybe. Yes. Have you seen the show Future Man? No. Who's in that? Well, that sounds it's, a, uh, it's a Hulu show, it, right? Yeah, it's a Hulu show, a Seth Rogen show, but basically can't James Cameron in the future is uh he the whole like the their fuel source is called Cameronium. <laughs> it's a whole like <laughs> fuel source that James Cameron discovered and he's basically their god. <laughs> like, oh, that's hilarious. funny. Yeah. Oh man. All right, let's get into rating this as we always do. We rate the movies that we see using a sliding a criteria that is based on nothing substantial as sort of our gut. We go by our guts around here. All right. So I put the Terminator in as number two below Bowfinger. Um, I think I don't know, it's hard. I'm not trying to say like Bowfinger is better, but Bowfinger, like I could, I would love to watch again just mainly because um, like him just, you know, all those times, like him just running across that highway scene, you know, just like, you know, mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, that just, uh, that just gets me every time, you know, <laughs> or or them going to, uh, there's so many, I don't know, for whatever reason, Toby and I love Bowfinger so much, but um, I'm not saying Bowfinger is a better movie than The Terminator, but it's number two on my list below Bowfinger, so. Yeah, and for me, like, um, I don't disagree with that. Uh, however, I have it way lower. I have it at 13, but it it's a great movie. And it is just like a one-time watch. Like, it deserves to be higher. But for some reason, I, I rank things based on what rewatchability, I think. And so uh, it has moved down for that reason. But it's definitely better than Clueless. However, Clueless will maintain a higher position. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I was going to say, I was looking at your list. Like, you got Bridget Joe's Jones Diary above this? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue that uh, Bridget Jones's Diary is better than The Terminator, but uh, or, or Love Actually. <laughs> oh, but, it was made, but this list is made to be controversial. Uh, okay. We're at the end of the show. Andy, thank you so much for being on. I really had a lot of yeah. fun today. Thank you for having me and, on again. My, uh, yeah, it was fun. And Tim, thank you so much uh, yeah. for bringing all your expertise once again. Uh, one real quick thing yeah. I was going to mention. This is closing out the uh, Arnold month for you guys. Uh, and I mentioned all those ripoffs of the Terminator. I recently discovered that there's a ripoff of Kindergarten Cop. What? Uh, that's it's it is a it is a doozy, but uh, it's fully on YouTube, and it's called what? Kindergarten Ninja, uh, <laughs> and it was made by uh, Dare for like to teach kids about like oh, drug that's use. hilarious. And it's starring oh, like a so football player in the drugs. lead. It's it's. Oh. Terrible, but man, it's very wow. Oh my, was, oh yeah. my god, uh, <laughs> that's, that's fascinating! Yeah, Kindergarten <laughs> Ninja produced by Dare. Oh, wow, <laughs> thank you for the recommendation. I'm definitely have to watch it. Yeah, that's good. Let's oh, make note him recommends, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, but yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Toby, for being on talk to you soon and thank you for listening to the aging hipster rewatch aging hipster rewatch is produced and written by bob serrano toby crines edited by bob serrano theme song written by ryan reed if you like the show please share with friends we would appreciate it we'll be back